You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to this Thursday edition of the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. It is Thursday. So good to have you with us. Tag a friend. Let them know they can get us on Facebook, YouTube. You can go to Mike Moore Ministries. In fact, in January of next year, we're going to be solely on Mike Moore Ministries. So I want you to get accustomed to to uh, viewing us through Mike Moore Ministries. Now, we're teaching on the God of Abundance. I'm going to be transitioning in a few months out of pa- uh, the lead pastor role of Faith Chapel, the church that I would have pastored for 41 years and eight months. My son, Michael K. Moore, is going to become the lead pastor. And I wanted to share some insights or series or lessons that I've shared in the past that I believe were a great blessing to our church, our members, a great blessing to me, and I believe will be a great blessing to you. And one of those series is the God of Abundance, one of the most outstanding revelations that God has given me uh, concerning his nature. Now, this is our sixth lesson. We're nearing the end. We've got two or three more lessons to go, but we're talking about our theme is developing an abundance mentality. This is lesson number six. In our first lessons, we were dealing with what is the abundant life, and we were talking about enemies of the abundant life, and, and we just wanted you to see what it was all about. Then we got over into lesson four and five, and we were talking about qualifying issues. We talked about stewardship and we talked about purpose. Now, in this lesson today, we want to look at another uh, uh, piece of the puzzle, this abundance puzzle. We want to talk about God's ability and man's responsibility. God's ability and man's responsibility. In his sovereignty, we all know that God is sovereign, meaning he's supreme, he's above everyone, he's answerable to no one. Uh, He can do what he want to do, when he want to do it, how he want to do it, as they say. But in his sovereignty, he has made some decisions that restricted himself. One of the decisions that he made was he gave the earth to man to rule. Another decision that he made, he gave man free will. But then there was a third decision that he made. He decided to operate in the earth through partnership, through humans, through men, and not independent of them. So we want to see this balance between God's ability and man's responsibility, they go together. Now, when we talk, we'll start off talking about God's ability. And when we talk about God, and then we'll tra- transition to talk about man's responsibility. 
Now, as it relates to God's ability, we're talking about his capacity. Now, we know we've established from the scripture that he's the God of abundance. We've established that it is his nature. Uh, Abundance is his nature. But in this lesson, we're talking about his capacity, his uh, ability, what he can do, what he's able uh, to do. Ephesians 3.20 and the traditional King James says, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. I like the Amplified version of Ephesians 3.20. It also says God is able, but in the B part, the latter part of the verse, it says that he's able to do super abundantly far over and above all that we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, and dreams. Now, listen at that. God is able, the Amplified Bible says, to do super abundantly far over and above all that we dare ask or think. That's powerful. But the Amplified Version, the B part of that version, say God is able to do, God talking about his capacity, his ability, God is able to do infinitely, now follow the words, infinitely beyond our highest prayers. He's able to do infinitely beyond our highest desires. He's able to do infinitely beyond our highest thoughts. He's able to do infinitely above and beyond our highest hopes. And finally, he's he's able to do infinitely beyond our highest dreams our highest prayers, our highest desires, our highest thoughts, our highest hopes, our highest dreams. Now, if we just meditated on that, man, this thing about God being a God of abundance makes really, really good spiritual sense. Now, I want to give you an example to motivate you, and then I'll tell you why I wanted you to hear this example. Solomon is a man that God blessed with abundance. Solomon is a man that God blessed with abundance. But Solomon wasn't always a man of great wealth. He had wealth, but not the level of wealth that God wanted to give to him. So he came to God in a dream, made a request, 
and then we'll see the results. In 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 7, it says, On that night God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask, what shall I give you? Now that is something kind of uh, blank check there. Can you imagine God, the God of the universe, the God that owns everything, appears to you and says, ask, ask me what you want me to give you. Blank check. Ask what you want me to give you. And Solomon asked God for wisdom and knowledge to govern his people because he was young and God had made him the king over Israel. Many, many people. And out of all the things he could have asked for, he asked for wisdom and knowledge to govern God's people. Now, 2 Chronicles 1.12 is God's reply to Solomon's request. He says, wisdom and knowledge are granted to you. And I will give you riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had who were before you, nor shall any after you have the light. He says now, God was so impressed with the request out of all the things. He said, now you could have asked me for wealth. You could have asked me for riches. You could have asked me for wives. You could have asked me for uh, the life of your enemies. He said, but out of all the things you could have asked me, Solomon, you asked me for wisdom and knowledge to govern my people. So God replied, listen, I'm going to give you exactly what you asked for. I'm going to give you wisdom and knowledge to govern my people, but I'm going to give you what you didn't ask for. I'm going to give you riches. I'm going to give you wealth. I'm going to give you honor and no king before you have experienced the level of wealth that I'm going to give you and no king after you will experience the level of wealth that I'm going to give to you. Second Chronicles chapter nine, verse 22 through 24. And then verse 27, the first part of the verse, the A part of the verse, this is what it says. So King Solomon surpass all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. Now, what does that mean? That simply means out of including all the kings of the earth, if you put the wealth and the riches of all the kings of the earth, the whole earth, and you put their wealth together, Solomon's wealth surpassed all the kings and rulers' wealth in the entire uh, earth. Now watch this. And all the kings of the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom. So God gave him not just the wealth and the riches. God gave him the wisdom which God had put in his heart. So God put that wisdom in Solomon. And all the kings of the earth came to Solomon to hear his wisdom. Each man brought his presence. So the kings didn't just come empty handed. They brought presents, articles of silver and gold, garments, armor, spices, horses, mules at a set rate year by year. 
verse 27, 2 Chronicles 9, 27, says the king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stone. Silver was as common as rocks. So let's summarize. We see after this request of wisdom and understanding, Solomon became an extremely wealthy person. His wealth came from gifts, from counseling other rulers and other kings, came from favor, the favor that they bestowed on him. It came from his products, his livestock, came from real estate, monopolies. It came from his creative ideas, and he came with all kinds of literature and songs, best-selling songs. It came from his inventions, his investments. In fact, the Queen of Sheba is estimated at having given him an estimated $63 million gift. His annual income, some say, have been estimated at $20 billion annually. Silver was so plentiful that it was more plentiful than rocks on the ground. There's no record of the worth of his other possessions. In fact, there came a time when they just stopped counting. Now, Forbes has a billion-dollar list of individuals who reach billionaire status. Solomon wouldn't be on Forbes' billionaire list because Solomon became an unquestioned, unmatched, multi-trillionaire. Think about that. Not a trillionaire. He became, in his lifetime, a multi-trillionaire. So they would have to come up with another list. Forbes billionaire list, Solomon would blow that out of the water. He would make some individuals on that list look as though they're on a poverty level. Solomon would have a whole, Forbes would have a whole nother list for Solomon, and he would be the only person on the list. He was a multi-trillionaire. Now, think about that. Now, we're talking about God's ability. We're talking first about their God of abundance. And in this lesson, we're talking about God's ability, man's responsibility, now, we know from our previous lessons that God is extravagant. He blesses us in an extravagant way. But we also know God is not wasteful. So let's think for a moment. Why would God bless Solomon with so much wealth? Abundance, unheard of abundance. Why would he do that? Solomon obviously didn't need it all. 
it's obvious that his kingdom didn't need it all. Why would God bless one individual with so much? Well, I have some reasons I believe that he was able to do it. I believe that God blessed him because his nature is abundance. Secondly, I believe God blessed Solomon because his priorities, his motives, and his trust was in alignment with God and directed toward God. Solomon's priorities, his major priority was not about being wealthy because he, he didn't ask God for it. He didn't, that wasn't his prayer. He wanted wisdom and knowledge to govern God's people, which tells us about his priorities, kingdom first, God first. It tells us about his motives. He wasn't just trying to get something from God, but it also tells us about his trust. I need you. I want you. My trust is in you. So, he was in spirit at this point. Now, we know he backslid, but he didn't backslide because of the money and the wealth. Backslide because of them girls, you know what I mean? The women. When you got uh, 300 wives and 700 concubines, you got a women problem. You got a lust problem. That's what caused him to backslide, not the wealth. It was them girls and his lust for them girls. You know what I mean when I say them girls. Talking about women. So at this point in his life, early in his life, his priorities were right. His uh, motives were right. His trust was in God. And I just believe this. If your priority is kingdom first, God first, bring it honor to you. If your, prior, your motives are not you first, but people and kingdom and God first, and if your trust is in him, I believe God will bless you beyond your, watch this, highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, and dreams. That's Ephesians 3.20. And that's how Solomon got blessed. God, Solomon was blessed beyond his highest prayers because he didn't pray for all this. He was blessed beyond his highest desires. He didn't have a desire for all this. He was blessed beyond his highest thoughts. He never would have thought of it. He was blessed beyond his highest hopes. He was blessed beyond his highest dreams. I'm quite sure there were times he looked around and thought, how did I get all this? And it all came from God. But he was in proper spiritual alignment. Then thirdly, Solomon was a great giver. If you will read 2 Chronicles chapter 1 and the first six verses, I began at the seventh verse where God appeared to him. But before he appeared, it talked about these sacrifices that Solomon gave to God. A thousand burnt offerings. Solomon was a great giver. And then secondly, then fourthly, I believe that Solomon was a great receiver. 
Now, it had been you and I, most of us, we would have said, oh, I got enough, God. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And we would have shut down the flow because a failure to receive. Solomon had to receive everything that God would bless. Now, some of us, some preacher would have preached that Solomon was greedy. You know, but think about it. The wealth came from God. The wealth came from God. So it's obvious that God wanted him to have it because the wealth came from God. The Bible said that it came from God. God said, I'm going to give it to you. God said your wealth is going to surpass all the kings before you and after you. God said, so it's obvious that it was God's intent, his purpose, the blessing. But Solomon had to be a good receiver and he was a great receiver. So when God gave it, he didn't shut God down. He didn't say, oh, I got enough. No, he received everything. Everything God gave. But I think finally, I think the fifth reason why God blessed him with so much, I believe that God wanted Solomon to be a witness and evidence. He wanted him to be a witness and evidence. He wanted Solomon to be a witness to the world because people in the world are not living by faith. They're living by sight. Solomon, God wanted the people, the kings of the world to see what God could do. Now, these kings in the world, they got their wealth different ways. But God wanted the kings of the world to see what he could do with a yielded vessel. God wanted Solomon to be a witness and God wants you to be a witness to the world because the world is not walking by faith. They're not walking by the word, but they can see what you possess. They can see your lifestyle. They can see you and God wants your life to be a witness to the world. But I also believe God recorded it because he recorded in scripture. There are portions of the scripture where it says how this mount came in, this mount came in, this mount came so many years annually. Why did God, the spirit of God record this? Because God wanted you and I to have proof of his capacity, his ability that's why it's written. That's why it's in the scripture. God wanted us, you and I, to have a real life example of a man who was blessed by God with abundance. And God wanted us to see throughout history what his capacity was. And in Solomon, we see, because this is not all God's wealth. This is a small portion of God's wealth. He made this man a multi-trillionaire and it didn't break him. Think about it. It did not break God. God didn't go without to do this because he wanted us to see. There's, there's no other reason why he would record this. Why would you record this? Why would you record this in Holy Scripture? Because he wanted us to see his capacity. 
his ability. God is able, Ephesians 3.20, to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. God is able to do infinitely beyond your highest prayers, infinitely beyond your highest thoughts, your highest uh, desires, your highest hopes, your highest dreams. God is able to do infinitely beyond that. Now, religion said that's greed. No, greed is not having abundance. Greed is not wanting more. Greed is when you have an abundance and you want more for self only. Now, but we're talking about God's ability. We see it in Solomon. But let's talk about man's responsibility. Now, I want to give you two illustrations of this. Now, follow me. We, you and I, believers, we determine how much we receive from God, not God. And I know that's powerful, and I know that's, that's, that is a shock to the unrenewed mind because many people and Christians think that God determines in his sovereignty how much we have in this life. So God wants this person to have riches, want this person to be average, and want this person to be homeless. So in his sovereignty, he determines how much we receive in life. And that's not biblical. We... You and I, believers, we determine how much we receive from God, not God. Now, I want you to meditate on that because I know that sounds like false doctrine to some of you. But I want to give you some proof text, okay? The Word of God is the answer. In 2 Kings 4, 1 through 7, I'll give you a summary of what's going there. The Bible says there was a certain woman who was married to a prophet. Her husband, a prophet, was a part of Elisha's prophet school. He was mentored. Her husband was mentored by Elisha. Her husband died and left his family in debt. So this woman and her two sons are left in debt. She's a widow. She has no base, nowhere to get other income because her income flowed through her husband who died, left their family in debt. And in those days, they would take your children, imprison them, put them in prison in lieu of the debt until the debt was paid off. And, and in many cases, the children stayed in prison the rest of their lives. So this woman was in a desperate state. The creditors were already knocking at her door. She went out the back door. While they're knocking at the door, she goes to Elijah, the prophet, and she says, Elisha, you know my husband was a part of your school. You mentored him. But he died and left us, 
my two sons and I in debt. The creditors are knocking at the door. You know why they came. They came to take my son. So Elijah looked at this woman. This is a man of God. He looks at her in this desperate state and says, what do you want from me? Now watch this. Then he asked her a question. What do you have in your house? Because God is going to start with what she has. She says to this man of God, the only thing that I have in my house, we're talking about paying off this debt, is a jar of oil. He said, okay, that's good. I want you to go to all your neighbors. Don't go back home yet. Go to all your neighbors and borrow empty vessels. And don't borrow a few. When you gather the empty vessels, sneak back in the house, shut the door behind you and your son, and spread out all those vessels in the house on the floor. Take that bottle of oil that you have and pour the oil out into each vessel. So she went to her neighbors. She barred the vessels. She came back, went through the back door, credited to see at the front door. And she took that bottle of oil and began to pour in all those vessels. And she, every time she filled the vessel, because the, that, that job oil kept filling the vessels. It was a miracle. She pushed that vessel aside. And then she finally came to a, 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 the last vessel that she had and she poured and filled it. And then she asked her son for another vessel. And she said, well, we out. And the moment the son said, we're out of vessels, that oil stopped flowing. So she sneaked back out the house went to the man of God, Elisha, and said, okay, I got the vessels. It's full of oil, and now the oil has stopped flowing. What should I do? He said, now, I want you to do this. I want you to sell the oil that you have, and then I want you to pay off the creditor at the door, and then I want you to live off the rest. Got the story? Watch this. Now, we're talking about man's responsibility and the fact that we determine how much we receive from God and not God. Now, listen at this. God, through Elijah, did not specify how many vessels she would have borrowed. Elijah simply said, borrow not a few. Verse 3, borrow not a few. So she had to determine what a few was and borrow beyond that. So she could have borrowed 10 vessels. She could have borrowed 100 vessels. She could have borrowed 1,000 vessels. She could have borrowed uh, three vessels. All the prophet said was borrowing not a few. Now, God didn't run out of oil. She ran out of vessels. At some point, her and her sons were borrowing those vessels, and they decided this is enough. They decided, and God said, okay, their commitment to obey and their capacity to believe determined how much they receive. It was not God. If they had had more vessels, God would have given, given them more oil. 
but they ran out of vessels because they decided it was enough. And the oil stayed. That's true of you and I. We determine by our capacity to our, our willingness to obey and our capacity to believe how much we receive. We see, see the same thing over in Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 9. After preaching, after having borrowed Peter's boat, Jesus said to Peter, Launch out into the deep, let down your nets, plural, for a large catch of fish. Net, Peter replied, we've been fishing all night, Father, in this lake, and we've caught anything, but nevertheless, at your word, we'll do it. And then he let down a net. The net broke. He called partners over. They filled both ships, and the ships began to sink. We see the same thing here. God did not specify how many nets he was to cast out. He just said, cast, cast out nets, nets, plural. Now, Peter let down one net. The net broke. So, Peter, uh, the God didn't run out of fish. The lake didn't run out of fish. They feel that net, it broke. They called the other ship partnership over. They feel Peter's ship, his partnership, and the both began to sink. But that was not all God wanted to give them. That, that was not hit. That was not all the fish in the lake. It was Peter's failure to obey God's instructions. Jesus said, cast out your nets. Peter cast out one net, and the net broke. Now, watch this. It was Peter's failure to obey, Peter's limited belief that determined how much he had received. It wasn't God. Now, let me make a statement in closing. Sometimes we get excited and rejoice about experiences and blessings that are far below God intended to give us and God intended for us to experience. For example, what if Peter had cast out 50 nets? God would have filled it. What if God Peter had a cast out a hundred nets. God would have filled it with fish. What if all the fishermen in that area had brought their boats and they had hundreds of boats? God would have filled every last one of those boats. It's our capacity to believe our willingness to obey that determines how much we receive. God's ability, we see through Solomon, he's able to do exceedingly, infinitely beyond 
our highest prayers, our highest thoughts, our highest uh, desires, our highest hopes, our highest dream, God is able to do exceedingly beyond anything we can ask, anything we can dream, but it's our capacity to believe and our willingness to obey that determines how much we receive. So we see God's ability, man's responsibility. Now, listen, we're not finished yet because we got to get over into this thing of the lack of mentality that many Christians have that's limiting God. We're going to talk about that. But I wanted you to see and try to correct this false thing that God just determined this one to have this one and God determines this one to have this one and God wants some to be rich, some to be middle class, some to be poor class. No, that's not God. The Bible said God is no respect of persons, but it's God's ability Man's responsibility is man's responsibility to obey and is man's responsibility to believe. And God blesses man at his level of obedience and man's level of belief. That's Bible. I trust you've been blessed, and I pray that you have a wonderful rest of uh, the week, and I look forward to seeing you next time. Mm -hmm.